And thank you so much. If you're here in person, you can take your seats. Thank you for joining us here today on this beautiful sunny day. Is it hot or what? It has been a hot week this week, so I hope you got to experience some air conditioning, and I hope that if you were outside, it was near a pool or a sprinkler or an ice cream truck or something that was able to cool you down. But whether you're here in person this morning watching us online, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We've actually been talking about bumper stickers here at Connect for the last few weeks. And uh, as I've been researching this, message, I've actually come to learn a lot about bumper stickers in general. It's it's amazing how much there is to learn. Uh, This week, I discovered that there was a study done just a little over 10 years ago by Colorado State University, and in this study, they discovered that drivers of cars with bumper stickers, window decals, or personalized license plates tend to be more aggressive than those without. Did you know that? Some of you are sat next to someone this morning and you're like, that's why, it makes sense now. I've I've seen that personalized plate, I've seen that bumper sticker. And it turns out that when they did this study, it had nothing to do with the type of bumper sticker. So it didn't matter if it said, peace and love, or my child's an honor student, or if it said, my child beat up your honor student. Either one, just having the bumper sticker on the back of the car meant that those drivers tended to be more aggressive than those without. Now, the study didn't talk about this, but it got me wondering, what about Christians? What about those who have got the fish or the cross or a a Christian bumper sticker? Does the the same apply to them? I'm not sure. Maybe so. That's what this study seemed to believe. So I'm afraid that this morning you may have a great Christian bumper sticker like this one, one of my favorites. It doesn't say tuna shamed, okay? It's not shaming people who enjoy tuna. It's actually meant to say unashamed for being a Christian, a follower of the cross. But sadly, the designer didn't do the best job when he created it because all I see now when I see that is tuna shamed. But you could be driving a vehicle with tuna shamed and still, still be considered one of the most aggressive drivers out there. This is our last week talking about bumper stickers, so I'm afraid no more bumper sticker news for you coming up. But as we uh, talk about bumper stickers this morning, as we close out, there's one more that I want to focus on. One more that I've seen on cars. It's uh, it's actually one of my favorites. Maybe you've seen this. And uh, this is the sticker. It says CH dash dash CH. What's missing? It is so clever, isn't it? Sometimes you'll see it on a church sign. I can remember the very first time I ever saw this, and I drove by, and it was on a church billboard, kind of like this, and it didn't even have the UR. It just said CH, dash, dash, CH, what's missing? And as I was driving by, I was like, what's missing? You are, you are. I see what you did there. That's good. That's, I liked it. That's clever, like a clever little bumper sticker, clever, catchy slogan, and, uh, and I love it. And uh, it kind of reminds us that, you know, we're missing. We should be in church. And each week, as we've been looking at these bumper stickers, we've been asking ourselves this question every single week. That's a, that's a great phrase. I like the sound of it. But is it biblically sound or does it just sound biblical? Is this bumper sticker, is this phrase, is it biblically sound or does it just kind of sound biblical? And some weeks we've discovered that even though it sounded kind of good, it actually didn't line up completely with the Bible. So 
When we put this question before this sticker, CH dash dash CH, what's missing? You are. Is that accurate according to the Bible? Well, I, I would assume the answer is yes, okay? I mean, basically, the, the sticker is suggesting that um, you uh, should be in church. So yes, I would, I would imagine that that lines up with what the Bible teaches. And in fact, if you're here this morning in person, if you're watching online live right now, you're sitting there thinking, I am. I'm not missing. I'm here. So check that box. So one would assume that, yes, this is completely accurate. And I think it is. But as we close out this series this morning, I want us to spend just a, a few minutes a day just asking, well, what does that mean to be in church? Because you could be in church, but does that mean that you fully understand what it means to be a part of the church? Is it just showing up for an hour on a Sunday morning? Because if it is, then yes, C-H dash dash C-H, you are here. But if being a part of the church is more than just an attendance on a weekly basis on a Sunday morning, then maybe you are not exactly what Jesus had in mind when he was talking about what the church would look like 2,000 years later. You see, you're going to find out this morning that as, as followers of Jesus, as we look back to his teaching and, and his um, desire to start up this thing called the church that we're a part of 2,000 years later, that his vision for what the church would one day be shows that it's less about going and more about being. When it comes to the church, it's less about going and more about being. So what do I mean by that this morning? Well, Paul uh, was one of the writers in the New Testament. He wrote a large part of the New Testament. And he gives us a little kind of insight into what I mean by that when he writes to a church, uh, a group of Jesus followers in a city named Corinth. And he talks about this idea of it being more than just going and, and, and more being when he says this. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, Paul says, don't you realize, and again, he's talking to followers of Jesus here, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Now, to give you some context here to what Paul is talking about, why he's saying this, for hundreds of years now, the Jewish people, um, in order to connect with God, for their relationship with God to exist, they had to, um, some of them lived in Jerusalem, some of them lived far away, so they would have to make their way to the temple. They had to go to this building, go to this place, and when they arrived at the temple, that's where they would worship God. That's where the sacrifices would take place to uh, make things right with God. And, and this was a place that they would go to. But then Jesus comes along, and Jesus introduces this brand new system. Jesus turns things around. And here's the crazy thing. When, when Jesus taught this, when Paul was writing to these Jesus followers in Corinth, the temple was still there. There was still a temple, but Paul was saying that because of Jesus, because of his life, death, and resurrection, because of the Holy Spirit, who is now accessible to all of us, who dwells within all of us as followers of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit, we are now the temple. 
We are where God dwells. We have this relationship. We are the church. And this is really important to understand because 2,000 years ago, Paul was trying to explain this. this is, things have changed. The, the church is now, it's no longer somewhere where you go. It's, it's who you are. So this morning, as members of Connect Church, you are a part of Connect Church, but you're also a part of the church, capital C, the church of Jesus Christ that exists all over this planet, connected to other followers of Jesus who attend other churches in other cities, in other countries. We're, we're all part of the church. And this is, some of you might think, well, Dave, this is kind of like just semantics. I mean, it's like you go to church, you are the church, you know. But, but I think it's more than just semantics because even there's a subtle difference, just a small difference. I think philosophically it can change who we are as followers of Jesus. It can change the way we live our lives when we have that shift in our mindset of being people who go to church and be people who are the church. Because yes, the bumper sticker is right, C-H, dash, dash, C-H, what's missing? You are. And if you are now a part of the church, that's awesome, but what does it mean to be a part of the church? So as I was preparing for this message, um, I, I, I reread some stuff, and it's, it's just fascinating when you go back, and, and sometimes it's, it's difficult because when we read the Bible, we read um, the words on the page, and it's, it's written in English, but we have to keep remembering that these English words were originally written down in Greek and Hebrew. And like all languages, sometimes when they're translated into English, they lose a little bit of the, uh, the real meaning, the root meaning of the word. And, and when Jesus talked about the church, when you read about the church in the New Testament, in the Gospels, when Jesus was talking about it, uh, when Paul and the other New Testament writers were talking about the church, because the church began at the end of Jesus' life, when they were talking about the church, they used a Greek word called ecclesia, ecclesia. Okay, there it is up on the screen, so you can leave today saying, hey, I learned some Greek today, okay? Ecclesia, that was the Greek words that they used when talking about the church. Now, this Greek word, it literally meant an assembly or a gathering of people. An assembly or a gathering of people. So when Christians gathered together in, those, in Corinth, you know, they were an ecclesia, they were an assembly, they were a gathering of people. But the interesting thing about the word ecclesia, it wasn't even a religious word. It was a, a word that applied to all assemblies, all gatherings of people. So a group of citizens called to gather for civic purposes, they would have been an ecclesia. A group of soldiers in Jesus' time called out to gather for military purposes, they were an ecclesia. Last weekend in Peoria, there was a large group of cowboy boot wearing, cowboy hat wearing people that gather for something called tailgates and tailpipes. What was it called? Is that what it's called? Tail I've got to look it up here. Tailgate and tall boys. <laughs> no tailpipes. Tailgate and tall boys. They were an ecclesia. Some of you will be surprised to hear this morning. I was not a part of that gathering, <laughs> but there was an ecclesia of country fans that gathered last week. So, so it wasn't even that it was just a religious word. This was a word that was used to define when people of like mind gathered together. So when Jesus was talking about the church, when he was talking about us this morning, we are an ecclesia. We're a gathering of people who have come here for one purpose this morning, to connect with Jesus, to worship, to learn more about him, to connect with one another. But here's the problem. This was 2,000 years ago. As, 
as we evolved as a civilization and um, the printing press was invented and uh, new languages were developing around the world, so the Bible was translated into these new languages, people were, were reading these words in their own native tongue. And at some point, the word ecclesia was, was translated instead using a German word. That was one of the first languages that we had the printed Bible in. And the German word they chose to use, so that the Germans would understand it, was the word Kirche. It's K-I-R-C-H-E, Kirche. It's the German word for church. It's where we get our words, church. Kirche goes to church. That's how our word church de um, developed. And here's the problem. By now, there were church buildings all across Europe, all across the world. So when someone saw a church building on a, on a hill, it was called a kircha. That's That was the name of it. So now, when they're reading the Bible and Jesus is talking about the church, the word they're using is for that building over there. And again, you might think, well, Dave, isn't that just semantics? Well, no. Andy Stanley, who's a pastor of a large church down in Atlanta, Georgia, he talks about this idea between ecclesia and kircha in a book he wrote called Deep and Wide. Listen to what he says. He says, the words church is not a translation from the Greek. It's a substitution for the Greek, and a bad one at that. The German term, Kircher, and the Greek term, Ecclesia, refer to two very different ideas. A Kircher is a location, and Ecclesia is a purposeful gathering of people. You can lock the doors of a Kircher. You cannot with the ecclesia of Jesus. So the bumper sticker is partially right when it suggests that there's a problem if you are not there. But the bigger question is, when it comes to the C-H, U-R-C-H, what does that look like? What are we a part of? I got thinking about it, and I was thinking about the, the difference kind of philosophically between that kircher mentality and the ecclesia mentality. And maybe you can resonate to one of these examples here this morning. It's the same difference as that between a consumer and an owner. Between a consumer and an owner. When you come to church on a Sunday morning, when you're a part of a church like Connect, is it as a consumer or an owner? And you know there's a difference. Because anytime you've been somewhere and you've rented a car, how do you drive that car? You drive it like you rented it, don't you? <laughs> You drive it differently than that car that you own. There's a difference in mentality. Maybe it's like this. Maybe it's the difference between somebody who watches and somebody who participates. Somebody who watches and someone who participates. I think a Kircher view of church is the kind of church where someone can go and say, well, I'll watch and, and then I'll be done. And, but there's that, that ecclesia, that gathering is something that I'm involved in, I participate in. Both my sons are older now. They're at, both out of high school, but when they were in Central Intermediary School, both of them played for a year or two basketball for the middle school team. So I got to watch them play all season long. And you know what? When you're in the stands watching, you've got a lot of thoughts about how it should be played or how it should be done differently and they should have done this and why aren't they running faster and how is he looking tired? He's only been out there 10 minutes. Well, at the end of the season, they had a pizza night and it was a night where all the parents got to come and we got to hang out and they did some awards. And then um, every time they did it, much to my son's horror, they had a dad's versus son's, or actually I think it was parents versus son's um, basketball game. And of course I'm going to get involved. And my sons are like, Dad, please don't. 
I'd never played basketball growing up. I've still not figured out that when you shoot, you don't shoot at the net. I, I'm always just like throwing the ball towards the, you have to get it. So mine always just hits the thing about, so, so I'm out there, I'm running around, I'm getting tired. I'm realizing that participating, it's a much different game than it was when I was just sat in the bleachers watching. And there can be the same mentality within a church. How about colleague versus family? Here's another way to think about it, colleague versus family. Maybe you're part of a job and there's something about the job you don't like or there's a person you work with that you don't like and you're like, you know what? I've had enough of this. I'm out of here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change departments. I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit this job and do something else. And you can do that. There's plenty of jobs. There's, there's that opportunity to do that. And, and however much you enjoy working at this place, there's a different kind of connection between your employer and you than there is with your family. When your brother-in-law says that thing again and upsets you, you're not like, that's it. I've had enough. I'm out. I'm out of this family. I'm looking for a new family because this one, now some of you are like, no, actually, Dave, I am. I've had that thought sometimes that I'm ready to get out of this family and go find another one. They're crazy. But... um. The reality is we're different relationally with our family than with our neighbors, our work colleagues. Those are just a few kind of practical examples, but I think when we look at the church that Jesus was describing, that ecclesia, we have to ask ourselves, what do I see when I see the words church? Paul talks about it, he has a great analogy for it, he talks about the church, he talks about us as the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've heard it in a church service. Hey, it's great to have everyone here this morning, the body of Christ, worshiping together. Well, that comes from this, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in, Corinthian, in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he said, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. So this morning, this church that you are not missing, that you are now a part of, is the body of Christ. And Paul carries on with this analogy by really kind of digging deep and saying, listen, let, let's think about the body. What, what is it about the body? What, what is it that constitutes a body? And how is that similar to us as a church? And he talks about it here in chapter 12, verses 14 through 22. Some of you will be familiar with this passage. Some it may be the first time you hear it, but Paul said, yes, the body, and he's talking about the human body here, has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part, yet there are many parts but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Now, the reason Paul was writing this was because there were some people in that church in Corinth and they were active in the church and some of their spiritual gifts um, were kind of puffing them up a little bit and they felt like they were more important than other people in the church. And Paul was saying, no, 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 we need everything. 
Some of you are preachers, some of you are teachers, some of you are serving in different areas, but every one of you is a part of the body and every one of you is important. And here's what I love about why, what I hear when I read this is Paul isn't saying, now I'm talking now to all of you that are a part of a body that are involved, not those of you who just come for an hour on a Sunday. You guys, this is, I'm talking, he, he never makes that distinction because in Paul's opinion, when you're a part of the church, you're all a part of the body. Whether you've figured out yet what your role in that body is or not, you are a part of that body. So how does that impact us 2,000 years later? Paul seems to be describing a church here in Corinth, this body of Christ, as a purposeful gathering of people not just a building that they were going to, an ecclesia, not a kircher. So how does that impact us today? I think for some of us here this morning, it might just mean taking the next step in getting connected. Getting connected. This is the, the practical application for us here this morning at Connect Church. You know what's been fascinating? I've, I've really enjoyed teaching this series. We plan out our series uh, always a year ahead, so we knew as of the end of last year this was the series we were going to do. Um, we thought it was kind of a clever idea to take some of these bumper sticker phrases that very often we see and we assume they're biblical, but when you dig a bit deeper, you find out, oh, actually, there's, they're not quite as accurate. But, but now that it comes time to actually teaching it, I've really enjoyed digging into it. And I've, I've heard from some people, I'm enjoying this because I've got to be honest, I... I guess I'd never thought about that before. I thought that was biblically sound, but actually it just sounds biblical. I'm never gonna embarrass anyone, but I'm guessing that maybe some of you have left church in the last few weeks thinking, I swore that was in the Bible. <laughs> I really thought until today that that was just in the Bible somewhere and you found out for the very first time, it's not. It's just a bumper sticker. So how do we Learn more. How, how do we learn more? How do we identify as individuals what is biblically sound and what just sounds biblical? Well, one of the ways I think we can grow in our faith is by saying, I'm gonna commit to more than just an hour on a Sunday morning. I'm gonna commit to more than just a, a Kirsha mentality of church. I'm gonna try and be more of an ecclesia gathering. Because here's what I've come to discover over the last seven or eight years here at Connect and in my entire life as a Christian that the more involved we get, the more we grow in our faith. And there's a few ways in which that happens. There's kind of an obvious way. We had this happen very early on in Connect. Uh, we had a lot of new people uh, when we started as a church plant come to Connect and some of them had um, a long um, church background. Some of them were kind of new to church. Some of them, even though they'd been a part of a church, maybe were new to really going deeper in their faith. And I remember early on we had uh, a wonderful situation where a, a friend of ours uh, agreed to help in uh, teaching with the kids and um, she was kind of newer to get involved at church and after uh, the prep for the Easter Sunday where they'd watched a video to explain, you know, why Jesus had to die, and it was a cartoon that they were going to show an animation to the kids on that Easter Sunday, she called my wife and said, hey, she goes, we were going through the prep for the kids' service, and, and when I watched the cartoon, I was like, ah, oh, I get it. <laughs> it makes sense now. I fully understand why Jesus had to die, and in preparing for a lesson for the kids, it helps this volunteer grow in their faith. Sometimes, one of the ways you can grow in your faith is by being involved just in a way like that. 
But there's another great way that you can be involved. We talked about, or we talked, we sang. We sang that lovely song earlier. Caitlin sang it, take me deeper, oceans, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger. When we make that commitment to go deeper, our faith grows stronger. And I know that in my own life. I've experienced that in my own life. I didn't grow up, I wasn't a Christian as a teenager growing up, and I can remember at about 18, 19 years old, uh, I was 18 years old, I remember that, that uh, a friend of mine became a Christian, he shared about his faith in Jesus, and I said, I, I know that that's what's missing in my life. And I made a decision to follow Jesus. I started to attend a church in uh, Southeast England, I remember being a brand new Christian and the, the, the guy who was in charge of the kids program at the church pulled me aside one day in church and said, hey, would you help? We do this uh, club on a Friday nights to reach kids outside of the church. We go to the park and we just put on games and the kids will show up and play. And then as we build relationships with these kids, we invite them to come to church with us on a Sunday where there's more Bible teaching. And I said, are you sure you want me? I said, I'm not a good guy. I'm not sure you want me <laughs> influencing the lives of children. He's like, no, no, you'd be great. You can come and play soccer. And so I did, and um, I got involved there. And then I started to get involved on a Sunday morning in the kids' program. And I got more and more involved. And you know, I'll be honest, there were some Sunday mornings when nothing in me wanted to go to church. I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to go to church. But because I had a reason to be there, because I knew there were some kids that were counting on me, I went to church. And when I got there, I loved it. And the more I served, the more involved I became, the more I started to see my faith grow. And then after helping with the kids for a while, I had an opportunity to help with the youth, and, and this grew and grew and grew, and then I had an opportunity to join a uh, kind of a residency program for a year and work more with churches. And then after that, I was offered the opportunity to come to this place called America and start this program up over there. And I was like, sounds good to me. I've been to Disney World and Disneyland. I'd love to go to Washington, Illinois. I'm sure it's exactly the same. And uh, got here in 1994 again, just to do this. And, and each time... God was trusting me with more. And here I am today. It wasn't like as a kid, I was like, you know what? One day I really hope that I get to start a church in Washington, Illinois. That'd be great. But I was faithful with that first opportunity to serve, to treat church as more than just a, a visit on a Sunday, but to actually become a part of the church, to be in the church. And I saw my faith grow. So this morning, as we close out, in the lobby, we got some tables set up. They're all in front of the doors. You can't get out unless you go by. The, they're not really. They're off to the side, so you could slip out quick. But here's what I want you to do. Each of those tables represents different areas within the church. There's the worship area here in the, uh, the technology and the worship. There's the area out in the lobby with the coffee bar and the people who greet you. There's the kids area. There's the Connect Center itself that's open during the week for different events. There's so many opportunities to serve. I'm going to ask this morning, if you're interested, just sign up. There's uh, some forms there on the tables. There are people there from those areas can talk to you. And here's my promise to you. If you sign up, I promise you're not committed to anything. Okay, we're not gonna hound you. We're not gonna say, that's it. Show up next week, wear a T-shirt. You need to change diapers in the nursery. Let's go. 
You'll get an email back that'll say, hey, thanks for, thanks for your interest. Here's what in, is involved in serving in that area. And maybe you'll find a way to get connected. And maybe you'll go in that next step in your faith journey of just attending on a Sunday morning, which, don't get me wrong, is still fantastic. Some of you who are coming on a Sunday morning, this is still brand new to you. There was a time not so long ago when you weren't here on a Sunday morning. In fact, you were very far from being in a place like this on a Sunday morning. And God is at work in your life, and that is so awesome. But God didn't just bring you to this point of bringing you here on a Sunday morning. He wants you to grow in your faith. He wants you to go deeper in Him. And I honestly feel like one of the greatest ways of going deeper is to get connected, to find your part in the body, your purpose. Why did God create me the way He did? Maybe there's something about who I am that could serve my church and make a difference in someone else's life. So I hope this morning you'll stop by, you'll sign up, and then when you get that email back with the information, you'll just say, God, if there's something here that you got for me, just show me. Just show me. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful thing we call the church, the C-H-U-R-C-H. Thank you, Lord, that those here this morning, those watching online are not missing. They're here. They're in the church. But as we've learned this morning, there's more to this than just being in the church. There's something about being a part of the church. Paul talks about us as the body of Christ. And as in any body, there are many parts and every part is important. Every part is important. And God, you've gifted every single person in this room, everyone watching online. You've given them gifts and abilities that, Father, I know you wanna use here in the church. Even the folks who, who still are just watching online, there's opportunities to serve online, there's opportunities to serve during the week. But Father, I think that for some of us, this is gonna be the next step in our faith journey. We're gonna grow closer to you as we learn what it looks like to serve you. So Lord, speak to us, I pray. I pray for people here that you'd give them um, courage to sign up this morning and even more courage when those emails come in to respond and say, yeah, this is where I wanna get involved. This is where I want to get connected. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.